On this episode of The Takeoff, we're joined by Kane Brennan. Kane is an award-winning construction entrepreneur, the managing director of Quantum Contract Solutions, and a highly experienced quantity surveyor and contract expert. Kane is also a podcast host and has built a really unique business within the world of contracts, claims, and quantity surveying that services a variety of construction companies throughout Australia, New Zealand, and the US. One of the really exciting things about Kane is his presentation. He is super engaging. He explains things simply. In a world that's overstimulated and constantly in conflict, this simplicity is a superpower. We're really excited to have Kane on the show, and we hope you enjoy this episode of The Takeoff. Welcome back, guys. This is another episode of The Takeoff. Today, we have a very special uh, interview guest with us. I'm very exciting to be back doing interviews. Today, we're actually speaking to Kane Brennan. Kane is the Managing Director of Quantum Contract Solutions. A really interesting um, engagement with Kane over the last few weeks. Has a heavy um, background within quantity surveying and claims management. Has his own contract expertise um, company. And yeah, we're really excited to, to welcome Kane to the episode today. Ken, welcome. Thanks, Mick. Lovely, lovely to be here. Lovely to, to jump on. I know you're in New Zealand at the moment, traveling around on a bank holiday, so good on you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for, for joining me, Ken. Well, I, I always sort of um I always feel like I, I don't do the, the guest justice with my introduction. So do, do you mind sort of introducing yourself to, to our listeners out there and, and who you are and what it is that, that you do, Ken? Yeah, sure. So well, my name is Kian Rennan. I'm the, the CEO of a company called Quantum Contract Solutions. So very, very high level. What Quantum does is we are a smart contracts management, contracts administration solution for construction companies. So we're essentially a done-for-you service, and we will like take your whenever you're bidding for work and you're asked to submit your departures for your, your contracts to negotiate what terms you'll sign up to. Uh, we'll do all of that for you from, you know, the, the, the you send us over the contract, we'll turn it around in, in 48 hours and prepare everything that you need prepared. And then in post-award, uh, we'll do all the paperwork for EOTs, variations, change orders, whatever they're called. And then we also provide dispute strategy, dispute avoidance strategy. So it's kind of like having a contracts administrator doing all your paperwork, a very skilled contracts manager negotiating your contracts, and then a claims expert and dispute expert to help you avoid claims. That's kind of the service from, from cradle to grave. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So so can you tell me a little bit more about sort of the industries that, that you, you work in, Ken, and, and your business works in? So we're we're pretty much across all of construction. The only construction that we don't do is residential. And that is just a it's just a, a size thing and yeah. the, the nature of some of those contracts as well. So we would do residential, like you know, obviously like if it was a commercial building where it was a block of apartments, of course we would, but if it or or a large um housing estate, but individual houses is probably the only area that we we don't work in in the construction sector. Okay, interesting, interesting. So can, can you tell us a little bit more about you, Kian, and, and you know your, your background and how, how you got into the industry? I came out of college as a, as a quantity surveyor, came straight basically when I was in, in a university, uh, a company from uh, Perth in Western Australia came to the university in Ireland and says, we're looking for, for quantity surveyors. So I applied for that job and four of us went over in 
2008, it was um, uh, we we took a, a brief a brief trip beforehand. So we spent uh, a little bit of time yeah. traveling. But when we arrived, we basically got straight into where the rest of the world was crashing. There was a mining and oil and gas boom going on in Western Australia. So I got massive exposure to all of that for a couple of years. So we're in the, working in the Pilbara. And from there, I was working for working for and ended up becoming a director in a cost and claims um, contract management company and went to the Middle East with them and was working with in uh, Saudi, was working in Qatar, was working in in Iraq as well. Okay. And um, I remember one of the things that was happening to me it, within there was at the time I was doing, I felt like I was doing a really good job working mm. for these these companies. And um, I kept pushing the boundaries within my company to try and get promoted. It took me a long time to realize what was happening. So I was like, I'm doing a great job. Why can't I get more into the business development side and start winning my own projects within that company? And then I realized because I was doing a good job for that company, being seconded to these different companies, I was a cash cow for them. And so there was no yeah. benefit for me to move out of there Yeah. Um, until I was like, okay, so the, the, the way to make money in these uh, consulting firms is to bring in work. So that's what I tried to do. I tried to bring in work. And I remember one time where something clicked with me where I was sitting in a management meeting and the company that I was working for, their big, their big strategy was getting people into a company and then landing and expanding. And I remember chatting to someone like to one of them saying, okay, well, what's our benefit? Like, uh, like how, how can I try and sell this better? And he's like, it's our people. Our people are great. And I remember thinking to myself, our people are great, but don't we just win the project and then recruit after? So it's yeah. not like, and then so I was like, oh, no, this isn't working. And then at that moment in time, that was when I switched for me. It was like, okay, I really want to, I really want to do things differently. I want to have a different business model that's going to help construction companies. And so mm. the the way when when I started Quantum, I wanted to help the construction contractors, subcontractors with the contracts administrating process, because so many of them are losing money hand over fist. But I wanted to do it in a, in such a way where I wasn't charging day rates, where I was charging a monthly retainer fee so they could get a lot of value. And we're both, you know, we're both on the same page. So, you know, mm. I want to do things as efficiently as possible. I'm not incentivized to take longer because I get paid more I want, because you pay me the same amount every month. And then they get access to all of these different uh, people and systems and processes that we bring in for a much better price. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because I, I always wondered about that sort of traditional model of the consultancy. Like, what is the difference between that model and nearly like what a what a recruitment company would do in some respects? Like, a recruitment firm it can can be labor hire, but you also can have you know senior level executive. You know, where you might be sort of putting in interim and contractors. And so I always sort of wondered, you know, what was the difference between me finding a really you know experienced contract manager and you know seconding him into a, a large infrastructure project. You know, what is the difference there? Obviously, there are a lot, but by and large, the foundations are still very similar in, in many ways, I, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because I remember trying to build a business and then the competitor was a contractor or a recruitment company that was going to get someone in there. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to two things. If you're going to go one of these large organizations you it, it kind of needs to be a situation where you're bringing them in to bring their systems and processes and their people in 
Mm-hmm. But if you're, and then then it makes sense because they're they're bringing all the best procedures and stuff to for you to operate your project. So if you're going to go, hey, I want you to do project controls or contract management for this project, full stop. Yeah, and um, then it can be useful. However, if you're just getting one person in or another person in to just fill in seats, well then, yeah, I agree. It's there's no, you're better off just re- going to a recruiter who will actually recruit much better people because that's their job is to you know yep. find really good people where the consultancies is not their job to recruit they have an in-house recruitment function but it's not their job to be able to so they're not going to they're never going to be as good that's my opinion on yeah on that as well so you're you're, you're pretty much bang on there mick yeah 100 so obviously you've sort of discussed some some of the differences between you know a traditional sort of consultancy and and, and your your own company chain i mean is there other differences? Do you focus purely on construction? I know that you've got a very sort of long track record within mining, resources, infrastructure, or is it purely focused on that that construction sector? It is. It was. It's construction in all of those areas, right? So it's construction okay. in mining. It's construction in oil and gas. But it's anything that we're actually building something, right? Yeah. And really, it's anything that has a difficult contract. Anything where you're looking at a contract that has 50, 100, 200 pages. That's kind of where we come into our, our element, essentially. In construction, there's there's a big stat that's out there at the moment. And so one is the last quarter in Australia, New, I'm not sure about New Zealand, sorry, but in Australia, the and also in 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 the US, and I know these for, for facts because that's where that's where we work, is the last quarter had the highest amount of insolvencies since 2008. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so 26% of all insolvencies come from the construction industry. And the reason is, if you think about it, at the top of the food chain, you've got the owner, the principal, the the guy who wants to build the thing, right? So the oil and gas company wants to build an oil and gas plant. A developer wants to build um, whatever, a hotel. Government wants to build a bridge, okay? So they will then award a contract to a tier one contractor, Right. So the tier one contract wins the whole project. They have a contract between them. They both have lawyers, they both have contracts people. They're both okay with the contracts that they've signed. Now, the problem is that the tier one company, they make money by essentially getting a loan to fund the project mm-hmm. and subcontracting out all of the work and then getting paid by the owner. And the delta between the two is how they make money. Yeah. So they're very concerned with risk and they're very concerned with cost, of course. So they push all of the risk down onto the tier twos. And the tier twos are the companies actually doing the work, the scaffolding companies, the civil companies, the um, steel fabrication companies. They're the guys who do the work. But these companies, more often than not, are some some are big organizations, like you know, they, they can be up to 100 million, 150 million um in, in size. But the majority are not big enough to be able to deal with the increased risk that's been pushed on. They don't know how to negotiate the contracts. They don't know how to administer the contracts. And essentially, you know, in the worst case, they'll just sign what they're given and then they'll go into the, the post-award phase, just, just going, hey, I'm just going to do a great job. And hopefully the contractual stuff falls where it may. And they end, it ends up going badly, end up losing a lot of money or going out of business. So that's kind of, you know, the main problem that we're, we're dealing with at the moment. That's why there's so many insolvencies in the construction industry. That's a crazy stat. Twenty six percent of all insolvencies come come from construction. It's pretty pretty scary, you know. If you looked at that as a whole of how many construction companies there are and how many go insolvent, you know, it must be pretty high. Yeah. Obviously, the risk gets pushed down. You know, the lower down the spectrum that you are, you know, what 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 would you say? You know, 
makes a good contract and what makes a bad contract. I know that might be quite a broad question as such, but what are the things people should be looking out for? So a lot of people look at these contracts like um, with legal eye, right? So mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. You don't have to be a lawyer to be able to interpret a contract, right? So if you're the CEO or managing director of these companies, you need to be looking and you need to understand the contract, not from a lawyer's point of view, right? Changing words and how it's written, but how this clause impacts the commercial outcome of the post-award phase, right? Mm-hmm. How does this thing impact my cash flow? How does this thing in, it, it impact my risk? So really, we're looking at a couple of different things. We're looking at how can we increase cash flow? How can we decrease risk of something bad happening and, and the extent of something bad happening? How can we reduce the chance of disputes? Or if a dispute happens, that the next step isn't arbitration, which is 100K before you even you know leave your, your bed, essentially. If you have a, a claim uh, that you're disputing for like, 80 90k and then it's useless right so it's getting all of those ducks in order so that you know that when this contract happens or when we go through this contract i'm going to set myself up for success mm. so there's plenty of things like payment terms right so it just there's a lot of trick it's it's it is about the nuances but once you understand them you can obviously do a lot of this stuff yourself if you've got the time so for example payment terms so, you know, a lot of times you've been asked to sign longer payment terms that you want. So people would just look at the number. How many days are they asking? Is it 30? Like, so we want to get it down to 30 calendar days, 20 business days, something like that. But the thing is, if you read that actual clause, it will say, it will say, for example, end of month, 20 business days, end of month. You think normally, okay, that, that seems okay. But it says that you have to submit your payment application on the 24th of month one. Okay, it's 24th of month when you submit your payment application. On the 2nd of month two, they respond saying, hey, that's approved. Please submit your invoice against that, against our payment certificate. So you do that on the 3rd or the 4th of month two. Then you got to wait until the end of the month, and then you add on 30 days. So really, it's a 60-day payment terms. Mm. So it's those little things make a huge difference to your cash flow. That's, that particular instance will double the length of your of how long you're not being paid for. Right. Or if you if you negotiate it, it halves the length in your in and gives you better cash flow. Yeah. So what 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 would you say is general like normal payment terms? Would that be quite a like an indicative of 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 what would be quite quite normal in the industry? Yeah, 30 30 calendar, 20 businesses would be normal. Now, as you go down the contractual chain, it should get smaller. Yeah. Should it should get smaller because the companies are getting smaller. And so if a sub if a large subcontractor has suppliers, it might be even shorter. Okay. Mm. But th- that's another art, um, thing that you need to be aware of as well is like how how quickly are you paying? Do you have to pay people? Yeah. And that's another where people get themselves in trouble. They're not going to get paid for 60 days and they got to pay guys within 10 or something. Um, yeah. so that kind of issue is is a big issue. I don't know if you've seen the uh, video going around last week of the uh, treaty. I think he was in Adelaide or somewhere like that. He was on top of the roof and he was um, he was pulling roofing ties off off the roof because he hadn't been paid. So he'd done he'd done the work a year ago and the builder still hadn't paid him. So he decided to take matter into his own hands. Well, I climbed on top of the roof of the house and just started ripping ripping his ripping um, roofing ties off because that, that was his work. But it went it went viral and and the support he got was you know was incredible because it happens far too much where the little guy gets gets screwed over. 
Yeah, for sure. And just on that particular thing, so there, there'll be a clause in a contract called risk and title transfer. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not in your favor, he could, in that scenario, and probably happened, he transferred the title over when he completed the work rather than when he got paid for it. So right. he might not have been allowed, he might not have owned those things right, right. Okay. anymore, yeah. even though he hadn't been paid for it. So that's another little thing. That's how you reduce risk again. You don't want to transfer title over until you've been paid in full. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. And I, and I mean, in terms of obviously right now, are you seeing subcontractors coming to you and saying, hey, we're, we, we need a lot more assistance than we did a number of years ago? Or, you know, how are things sort of moving in, in, in your market at the moment, Ken? Yeah, 100%. So even, you know, if you can imagine this type of person, right, there's a guy who's run a construction company for a long period of time, maybe from the 70s, 80s, right? And those guys are all relationship-based because it used to all be just relationships, you know, shake of a hand, that sort of thing. And so when we're on, where we're on calls with these guys now, they're like, they're saying, because normally I would, we would say, hey, look, things have changed. You need to be on top of this, right? They're now saying to us, things have changed. We need to get on top of the contracts. We've gotten burnt. We've gotten burnt. And so, you know, for example, in, in America, you got AIA contracts. In Australia, you got Australian standard contracts, the FIDIX, all, all these kind of standard contracts that are supposed uh, designed to be fair, originally written to be fair. You, mm-hmm. you literally don't see them. We've, we've done over 2,600 contract reviews at this stage, and the amount of Australian standards or AIAs that we get that are just out of the box are, is like next to nothing. They're all amended in favor mm-hmm. of the client, right? right? And so everything that the game, like basically that game is happening, whether you're playing it or not. So essentially, you need to be aware that everything is changing. Everything's getting more contractual. I mean, I mean, I guess that's pressure from insurance companies, internal procedures. People want to get an ISO accreditation. They want to have processes where they're trying to reduce their risk. And by reducing their risk, it's a transfer of risk, right? So maybe that, you know, the, the Albert Einstein energy can't be transferred or it can't be whatever killed off. And it's, it can only be transferred. We can say the same about risk. You just got to pa- pass off the risk of someone else. Mm. And so... Obviously, I've never worked in the construction industry, so I'm not too sure. But say if you're a traditional, I don't know, builder, you're working on a $20 million project in the city, you're a subcontractor providing joinery works or something like that. I've been hearing about these contractors or subcontractors getting 150 page, you know, contracts. And, you know, they, they may only have 15, 20 people in the business. That's why obviously contract administrators are in such high demand. You know, but how long does it take to sort of negotiate and agree a contract before you decide, you know, this isn't worth it or, you know, actually I'm happy with this? Could it be months um, or is it weeks or? It depends. Obviously, there's the bidding process, right? So, you know, there's part as part of the bidding process, you will have an opportunity to try and negotiate the terms and conditions. Okay. As part of that process. So that it, it depends on the size of the contract as to how long um, that is. And that's determined by your client. Anyway, but when you actually get into the negotiation sector, it shouldn't shouldn't take long. If you're okay. dealing with, with, with if you're dealing with if you know what you're doing, it should be quick. Because the longer it takes, the longer you, until you get the job, basically. So everyone is motivated to get that done pretty quickly. Yeah. So that's that's so you should have an expert in your team then that that should be you know maybe um, allocated 
to look at this from a risk point of view, contractual point of view? Yeah, I mean, so what, what typically tends to happen is most of these companies, the owner will review the contracts themselves, right? They don't have time to do it. And they probably, even though they're, you know, they're, they're experts at their trade, but they're not an expert at contracts, right? They're, they're, they're just not, right? And then in the post-award phase, you have a, they'll have their project managers manage the contract as a side hustle, right? In addition to doing it, do the paperwork. And that process just doesn't work. You, you yeah. need someone in the business who can do that for you. And the problem with this specific thing is success looks like silence in this area, mm. right? Yeah. So if you're, let's just say you've got a business development guy working for your company and he, he goes to market and he wins a project for you, right? So a couple of million dollars come in the door. It's very clear the value that he's bringing in the door. You can see it straight away. Mm. He's brought in a million dollars worth of project. But with the contracts person, it's stuff not happening that is success. So mm -hmm. when you, you sign a contract that reduces your risk by 80%, right? You can't feel that, right? Because the, the bad doesn't happen, right? Then when you're on a project, you've got a good contracts administrator, your EOTs are getting approved, your, your variations, change orders are getting approved, and you're not getting into a dispute. So from yeah. cradle to grave, it just all works smoothly. And that yeah. looks like silence. And that really, if you can understand that that stuff is still happening, risk is being reduced, you are getting paid, and the lack of something happening is exactly what you want. Excellent. I think that's a good name for this podcast. Success looks like silence. I think that's a good one. <laughs> I, I really actually, I really like your name of the podcast, The Takeoff. So yeah, I remember yeah. like in, in university, we had our like, are three columns on the right hand side and yeah three columns on the right hand side and you'd write in and uh, what it was and you you calculate it all by hand um yeah. like measuring the facade of a building or whatever it is so um yeah that's great it took me a long time and a lot of changes you know but we got there in the end so i mean do you have any examples of a contractor coming to you with maybe in a bad situation and, and maybe sort of turning that round and 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 getting them back on track and, and turning sort of bad into, into, into a good light? With disputes, and we have, we've got the data on this, right? Honestly, we, we, like, we've done like over 1,200 of like dispute strategies, right? So some went mm -hmm. into disputes and some would, would, uh, disputes would have been avoided, right? If you get into a dispute, it's a race to see who loses the least amount of money, right? Mm -hmm. So in your head, this is the only thing, I, because if people come to us already with a dispute, the thing has already happened. Right. Yeah. And this is this is where lawyers and, and claims experts, you know, can show value. Right. And so is because they can get you out of trouble. OK, which is very, very valuable. And that's why you pay so much for a lawyer mm -hmm. who's very, very skilled or someone because they can quote case law and, and get you like go out of the contract. And that's kind of where I see lawyers fitting in, in construction. But if you've avoided all of that in the first place, it's so much better. So, so, so much better. And so the way I would approach most of these things is, okay, you're in a dispute. You giving away or you negotiating and be willing to give away something, you're going to come out with more money than if you go into a dispute. Mm. So, so when you get into a dispute, think about that in your head. All right, okay, so because I'm in a dispute, I've lost money, right? That, that's where I am, right? So how can I just come to a negotiation right now, give away a little bit and make a settlement, get this off my plate, let's just move forward. That's the best way to go about doing it. Mm, yeah, no, 100%.
And I mean, it, it, from a, from an entrepreneurial sort of perspective, then, Ken, obviously you set up the business in 2019. Um, you know, what what's the vision for for the company and and where you see the the business evolving? So, for the business, our our vision is to help a thousand construction companies globally. We're just almost at a hundred companies across Australia, New Zealand, and Texas. Um, okay. And so the way we're approaching the U.S. is a state at a time, right? Because like Australia, each state and territory is a, has its own culture, it's like its own little country, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and culture and vibe and yeah, all of that stuff. But the U.S. is like fifty different countries, yeah, right, with different processes and different rules and different regulations and different laws. So that's the expansion uh, of where we're going. So yeah, the US is 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 really where we're we're focused on for the next five years. And do you see many differences between contracts from an American point of view compared to an Australian point of view? Apart from terminology, and of course there are differences, of course, but actually no. Right. Okay. And I think it's because there's so many US companies have influence over the market generally, globally, anyway. So if you're in the oil and gas space, I mean, we're talking Chevron, Exxon, anyway, so the contracts are the same. For example, that terminology change order, that's very, very American. But that's mm. that's here. These change orders are are in, in Australia, too. They're in mm. um, Ireland. They're in the UK, too. So, yeah, it's, it is it is the same. Commercial principles are the same of yeah. how you're trying to negotiate the contract. There's always going to be liquidated damages, consequential damages. There's always going to be retention or retainer, as they're called in, in the States, or security of some kind has to be given. The, the general process of what you're trying to do will always be the same. And so if you understand the commercial principles of how to structure deals, how to structure your contract in the best possible way for your success, well, then that's what you need to do. 100%. Very exciting. So if there's... Um... If there's someone's listening to this, Ian, and and you know they're in a maybe maybe they're a you know contract administrator, maybe they're managing director of a business, or you know what 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 advice would you give them in order to streamline their their contractual and their contracts as such? Well, it depends where you are as a business, right? So some businesses, uh, say if you're five million and above, right, you should really have a person in the company doing this for you somehow, or some process, or something that. This is something that you're 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 dealing with. So, like construct uh, construction is one part constructing, right? Yep. So supplying and delivering the material or, or a service, and then the other part is getting paid for it. And you, the biggest and the best construction companies have armies of contracts people for a reason. It's because they know that that's that's how you actually scale. That's how you become a bigger company. That's how you actually make the money at the end of the day, right? So. I'm sure you're aware of this. Anyone who's listening is aware of this. The biggest and best companies will often win a bid or tender at a loss, knowing that they had the contractual skill to make it up in variations and change orders in post-award phase. Okay, so mm -hmm. it's a slight shift in mentality in that, yeah, doing a great job and having a good reputation, getting repeated work and referred work is very important, right? That's that's it. But the other half is making sure that you get paid for it, that you're contractually savvy and you're able to, to do it. And so... There's one little a, a little tidbit to for for your clients uh, or whoever's listening to to understand is that if you're on a project and you're not contractual at all, right? This is what pe people are always worried about: is you're not contractual, and then things start going pear shaped, and then you get contractual, then everyone gets up in arms, and it becomes a mm -hmm. whole confrontation, right? 
If you start the project contractual or commercial, submitting a notice, EOTs, all on time, exactly what the contract says, you don't look like you're aggressive or anything. They go, oh, they're switched on. They know what they're doing. And so if you mm. think of the best companies in your space, the biggest, like, so whatever type of construction company you are, look at the biggest guys. If you think they aren't doing this, you're like, that's, you know, they are 100% doing this. And they're, everyone goes, oh, they're switched on. They're commercial. They know what they're doing. And you get respect from it. So that's the yeah. different way to, to go about doing it. And you look, and, you know, people think you're professional. You know what you're doing. It gives them confidence that you can complete the work at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's, that's actually, um, that rings true for, for a lot of industries, even my own industry. You know, like thinking of a recent example, we probably won our, our, our largest blue chip client, working exclusively with them, multiple projects, billion dollars, you know, and in terms of that, because we got contractual from the very beginning, you know, and, and, and didn't do it all sort of handshakes and good, good faith and all this sort of stuff, because um, we knew that it was going to be a bit of a monster. And yeah, 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 you, you've got to, you've got to get all your ducks in a row because it's, it'll get nasty at some point, you know, you're not nasty, but you hope it doesn't, but you know, no, yeah. just in case but if it, it does. does. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think once you have it, like, I think it actually, you like that if you're the way that you've done it, and the way I'm saying to go about doing it as well, you actually avoid, there's less disputes because everyone yeah. knows where they stand. There's no like, yeah. um, some, like if you know, if there's always a bit of a, in a relationship, it was a bit of a tit for tat. And then maybe there's a bit more titting than, than tatting, right? Yeah. In one person's favor. People get a bit annoyed about it, regardless, even if it's your brother or your sister or something, you know, it, like yeah. you still get a bit annoyed if you feel like, you know, you're putting in more than the other person, right? Regardless. And so having been on the client side, and say I'm sitting there and I'm looking at five people bidding for work, four people try to negotiate the contract, and one doesn't, right? You don't look at that one person that doesn't try to negotiate as easier to deal with, or I want to work with them. You look mm-hmm. at that company and think, oh, they're a bit green. Like, why aren't they negotiating here? They don't seem to understand what's mm-hmm. happening. So it's a different mm-hmm. perspective when you get a little bit bigger as construction companies. No, I really, really like that. So, uh, anyone that's um, listening to this, I mean, what what's the best way to to get get in touch, Kian? So we we help you know companies that are essentially the, the smallest company will 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 ever help will be bigger than five million in revenue. Okay, so if you go to constructionsecrets.io, if you're not there, if you're not at five million revenue, go to constructionsecrets.io. There's trainings. There's everything that you need to be able to do all of this yourself, right? And then if you don't want to do it yourself, you go to quantumcontractsolutions.com. You can check out a, a case study there um, and you can book in a call with our team and hopefully we can help you. Perfect, perfect. Well, I really enjoyed this episode today, Ken. This was this was great. I got a lot of uh, value from it myself. Probably could talk for, for another hour or so. But no, really, really, really good. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what you do with the company and, and how that evolves. And it's going to be an interesting market as well over the next uh year or so so um yeah i'm sure you'll 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 have a lot of people knocking at your door so yeah looking forward to, to seeing how things develop all right thanks mick it was it's been great being on good uh quantity surveying chat which is great uh take off is a great <laughs> name i really i really like it but anyway take it easy cheers thank you